Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this morning online for church. Uh, We're going to have such a good time gathering together around the Word of God. Uh, I've talked about it over our statements and our past videos. This is so important for us to do every single week. Even though we can't be together in this place uh, physically to give each other hugs and high fives and just just say we love each other, uh, we can still meet together online, still gather around the Word of God. It's so important for us to do that. That's exactly what we're going to do over the coming weeks, uh, and we're going to do that just like this uh, with a teaching video. And uh, already, if you go below the video, there's going to be some downloadable discussion questions. You can even download those right now as I'm talking, uh, just to kind of get ahead and just kind of think about some of these questions as we're teaching this morning. But over the next couple of weeks, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time uh, talking about what Scripture says in regards to us and our response to this pandemic in our world. Uh, And I'm not talking specifically, obviously, coronavirus, COVID-19. That's not going to be found in our Gospels. That's just not it. Uh, It's not there. It's not going to be there. But what is there uh, is how we're feeling during this whole time. Uh, There are some of us who just feel like life is just so chaotic right now. Like we just can't catch a break. You know, (laughs) Uh, plans have been canceled. Our kids are home from school. We have the shelter in place mandate in Fresno. We have all of this stuff that is being thrown on us. It just feels like chaos. But at the same time, uh, we have this kind of the almost the flip side of this and that we have uh, we have this kind of forced waiting period that we have. Uh, you know, we're, we're being forced to wait almost like we're waiting on whatever comes next. We're waiting to be to be released from this stay at home thing. We're waiting for our kids to be able to go back to school or waiting for for us to be able to make plans again without being worried about you know them being canceled because of the virus. There's just kind of this this waiting period that we're being forced into. And if you're like me, uh, that waiting one is, is, is the hardest one for me. Uh, that waiting one has been what's been weighing on me uh, more than anything this last week. It's just waiting, waiting on whatever's next, waiting on the next news to come out, waiting, waiting, waiting. And if you're also like me, we hate to wait. I mean, we hate to wait on anything. We hate to wait for water to boil. We hate to wait for the light to turn green. Don't even get me started about the DMV. We hate to wait. Uh, but in this time, we're kind of being forced. We're being, we're being forced to wait. You know, I have some good news for those, those of us who are kind of struggling with this whole waiting thing, this being forced to wait. Uh, there's some good news this morning that I want to share with you. It's that with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. I'm going to say that again, just in case you missed it. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. You know, there's a, there's a story that I think about when I think about waiting, uh, especially in the New Testament, when I think about just this, this opportunity to wait, this, this kind of being, being uh, not even an opportunity, just being forced to wait. Uh, I think of a story in John chapter 11 with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and Jesus. So if you want to go ahead and turn there with me, uh, I can't give you the Pew Bible, uh, you know, because we're not here together, but uh, I'll give you some time to get it in your own Bible, John chapter 11, because I'll give you a little context. We actually meet uh, Mary and Martha uh, in Luke chapter 10 as well, and that story, is, while it's, it's really short, it does give us some insight into who Mary and Martha actually are. Uh, Jesus, in this story in Luke chapter 10, is actually teaching 
uh, at Mary and Martha's house. Uh, he's in their home. And Martha, uh, who from this story, she just kind of seems just kind of like a type A personality. She's out. She's, uh, you know, she's, she's making sure everybody has it right. She's making sure everybody's all good to go. She's making, they're every, making sure everything just feels perfect for her guests. And on the flip side of that, we have Mary, uh, who's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, just wanting to hear. And at one point during this story, uh, Martha comes up to Jesus and interrupts him and says, don't you, don't you care what's going on here? She should be helping me. Why don't you just tell her to help me? And Jesus looks at her and uh, he just kind of kindly rebukes her and said, you know, actually Mary's got the most important thing. We won't go into too much detail on that story, but I just tell that story just to say this. We know that Mary and Martha and Jesus and Lazarus, uh, they were friends. Uh, we know they knew each other. We knew they cared for each other. And so you can imagine as we get to our passage in John chapter 11 uh, that as Lazarus has fallen sick, there is no reason for Mary and Martha not to believe that Jesus would come and heal him. There is no reason for them not to believe uh, that he would heal him. Of course he would come and heal his friend. Of course he would come and heal someone who, who he's been in, in their homes. He's taught with them. And uh, of course he would come heal him, right? Well, we get into our passage this morning, uh, John chapter 11, starting at 1, uh, and that's where we're going to start reading this morning. Here is what that passage says. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Yeah, I want to I want to just stop right there for a second because uh, I want you to notice with me that they did not even have to say Lazarus's name to Jesus when they're calling to him and asking for help. They just simply say, "Jesus, the one that you love is sick." You know, if anything, this drives home a couple different things that I've just said. It, it drives home the fact that they are they are close, that they know each other, that they love each other, and Lazarus is is the one that Jesus loves, right? And so, uh, and he's he's sick. And it drives from the fact, of course, they still think that Jesus is going to come and Jesus is going to heal him. You know, and nowadays it'd be like, oh, Jesus, he's in, he's in your small group. He's, he's in your church. He served with you at church. Like, of course, you're going to come and heal him. And so they just, they begin this waiting game. They begin this waiting game with Jesus. They send word to him that Lazarus is sick and they begin to wait. And they begin to wait some more. And they begin to wait some more. And they, they continue to wait. And the chances are, if they're like me and probably like you, they begin to try and justify some things, right? Like, Jesus, huh? I'm a good person, right? Like, Jesus, we're, we're still good, right? Like, I, I, I give to missions. You know, I, 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 uh, I serve in my church. I go to small group every single week. I, why, why won't you come? Why won't you be here? You can kind of sense this this tension arising as they continue to wait. But Jesus, he doesn't show up. And it doesn't make sense. But let's read on here. Verse 4 uh, says this. Uh, <clears throat> says this. When he heard this, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. 
Yeah, I I want to just remind us this morning of what I've what I've been saying that with God a waiting season is never a wasted season. I think as we keep reading and as we take this in mind too, there's a couple of different truths that we that we kind of need to remember as we are in this forced waiting season. And the first one is this, and we get it from this verse here, and it's this: even in our waiting, God is still in control. Even in our waiting. God is still in control. You know, Mary and Martha, they send word out to Jesus, and, and Jesus doesn't come right away. You know, Jesus doesn't come right away at all. Jesus is, but, but you hear what Jesus says here, this sickness will not end in death. Jesus is, is in control of this whole thing. It's almost like God is, Jesus is saying here, look, I know what you're going through. I understand what this looks like, but I'm still in control. And when you get to the end of the story, Mary and Martha, you can almost just, just feel this to Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, when you get to the end of the story, you're going to know that there was a purpose for this, and you're going to know that God is glorified in all of this. This, this sickness will not end in death, Jesus says in, in, in verse 4 here. You know, for me, some of the, some of the most uh, profound moments of my life have been uh, these moments where I have to come to the realization um, that God is in control. That even though it feels like I, I'm just waiting, like I'm out of control God is in control. It's these moments where I realize that, that God's ways are greater than my ways. It's in these moments that I realize that in my weakness, He is strong. It's in these moments that I realize that I can put my trust in God even in my waiting time, even in the times where I feel out of control. I need to remember that God is in control, even in our waiting, even in this forced time of waiting that we kind of find ourselves in right now. God is in control. You can kind of sense, though, this, this tension with Mary and, with Mary and Martha, uh, this tension of just waiting and just feeling out of control. Now, let's, let's keep reading here uh, in, in verse, verse 5. Here's what it says. <clears throat> now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, that just doesn't sound right to me. Uh, he loved them, so when he heard he was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. But, well, we get to the end of the story, we'll, we'll figure out what God was doing in this. And, and verse 7, And then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us, go also, let us also go so that we may go die with him. Now, you can see Thomas, he gets a kind of a bad rap in Scripture. He's called Doubting Thomas. You can also see he's got kind of our sarcastic streak as well. Uh, 
But he, they, you know, Jesus is kind of just spoiler alert that Lazarus isn't going to make it. And in fact, he hasn't made it, right? Jesus knows that even though he's not there, even though they're waiting on him, uh, Lazarus has died, but he also knows that he's going to wake him up. He's going to go and, and do this resurrection thing that we're going to see in the end of the story. Sorry for the spoiler. Uh, where, but Jesus knows, this, this just proves to me that Jesus is in control of this whole thing. That Jesus understands what's going on. Jesus does not uh, not lose any sleep over this situation. Jesus knows and is in control over everything that is going on in this whole situation. You know, but time goes by and and Jesus isn't there and Lazarus dies. Yeah, I, I'm, my first thought is, you know, so much for that praise report, right? You know, like Mary and Martha don't get to go to their gathering uh, and raise their hand and say, you know what, my brother was sick. And now Jesus healed him, and, and look at all this stuff that God is doing through this. And they didn't get to go do that, at least not yet, right? We don't know that in the story yet, but, but just, just as we kind of feel ourselves in the tension of the story, we understand that there's a lot of it here. And eventually Jesus does get to the, he does go to the town, um, but he's, he's really late. Uh, in fact, verse 17 uh, tells us that he is... Uh, on his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He's already been in the tomb for four days. Now, I don't know about you. This kind of seems like he got on the scene kind of insultingly late. You know, like, uh, not, it's kind of personal at this point. Like, not only did you not come to heal my brother, you didn't even come to comfort me and my sister as we went through this time. You know, you could see there's, there's people that have come. There's people that have brought food. They have prepared him to go into the cave. They have uh, put him there. They have sealed the cave with the stone. And it's been four days since then. And then Jesus decides to, to walk up. Yeah, this four days actually, though, is pretty significant uh, for a couple of reasons. Here's the first reason. Uh, after four days in a tomb, there's some stuff that starts happening uh, to, to a person's body. Uh, in fact, uh, we'll get there eventually, but verse 39 is one of my favorite verses in this whole story. Um, NIV tries to be really nice about it. They say that he had a bad odor. Uh, my favorite, though, is the King James Version. And kids, uh, if you're watching with your parents right now, you're going to get a new word to tell your brother or sister they need a bath. You ready? Here's what the King James Version says in verse 39. It just says, he stinketh. He stinketh. So kids, when you are uh, wanting to get on your brother or sister because they smell bad, they need to take a bath, uh, or even if they don't, you just want to kind of you know, get on them, you can say, he, you stinketh. Uh, and you won't get in trouble because I told you to do it. And it's a biblical word. So uh, there's, there's that. Sorry, parents. Uh, the second reason, though, that uh, this four-day thing is important uh, is during this time in the first century, there was kind of this superstitious belief um, that uh, after about three days of, or during the first three days after someone passed away, their spirit would just kind of hover. And as it was hovering, there was kind of still hope for a miracle. There was still hope that something could be done, still hope uh, that life could come out of this thing. And on day four, though, it's gone. Day four, hope is gone, game over, Lazarus is done. And it's on day four that Jesus walks up. You can just see, it just feels, it just feels really late. You, know, you can just almost sense this, this you know, Jesus, why, where were you? 
Yeah, where were you in all this? We were waiting for you. Where were you? What happened? Jesus, you, you failed us. Fortunately, this isn't the attitude that Mary and Martha had. Uh, Mary and Martha had just this, this unbelievable attitude. Let's, let's read this attitude together. It's going to start in verse, uh, verse, well, we'll start at verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to, Mary, or to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. I just want to just, just highlight this. Jesus, when he got the news, was less than two miles away from Mary and Martha. He's about a 30, 40-minute walk away and still does not come until four days after Lazarus is in the tomb. You can just, if there is anybody that had a reason to be mad at Jesus, I could just feel Mary and Martha having this reason. But listen to, listen to what happens here. Uh, verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Can you imagine just what is going through Martha's mind right now as she is saying this? Remember, Martha has just had to wait for for days, probably more than a week on Jesus. She knows that Jesus, had he been there on time, could have healed Lazarus. She knows that Jesus could have done something about this, but he didn't. He didn't show up. But running out to meet Jesus on the road, she doesn't, she doesn't go out to yell at him. She doesn't go out to be mad at him. She doesn't go out to say, just yell, just where were you? you know, she says, like, I, if you would have been here, he would still be alive. But, but... I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I think this is such a, such a great attitude to have. And in fact, this is actually kind of the second, second kind of truth I think we need to think about as we are in this intentional or forced time of waiting here, is that this. Not only in the waiting can we know that God is in control, I think also in the waiting, we need to put our trust in God even when life doesn't make sense. In the waiting, we need to put our trust in God, even when life doesn't make sense. This is exactly what Mary and Martha, or what Martha in this case, was doing. They were putting their, she was putting her trust in Jesus. She knew exactly who Jesus was. She knew exactly that he, he could do uh, what she was wanting him to do. She knew that he absolutely could heal him if he was still alive, but she knew absolutely that Jesus could also resurrect him now that he is gone because Jesus has all the power and all the authority. I think if we just remember those things as we, are, as we are in this waiting time, that not only is God in control, but God has all the power and all the authority to deal with whatever we've got going on, and we can put our trust in him. Now, we might not need a resurrection like Mary and Martha are needing in this case. I don't know what it is that you need. But I know this, in this waiting time, if you're struggling or if, you're, if you need something, God is in control and God, we can put our trust in him because he has the authority and the power over anything that we would need.
He has the authority and the power over this virus. He has the authority and the power over, over everything in the world. And we can put our trust in him. You know, as we read on, I just want you to, to see this. Mary and Martha, as they were, were calling out to Jesus, they were wanting a healing. Jesus had something else in mind. What Mary and Martha wanted was good. Jesus had something far better for them. Let's keep reading here. Verse 23, Jesus begins to speak. And remember, before this, there's kind of, there's kind of just this hopeless feeling. But as Jesus speaks, you can sense this, this hope come back on the scene. Jesus says in verse 23, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had come, who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. Or as kids, what do we say? He... He stinketh, that's right, he stinketh, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I, I don't know about you, but I love this story. I love this story. It just reminds me as we're in this time of waiting that even in the waiting, God is in control. You know, Mary and Martha, they sent word to Jesus and they were expecting Jesus to just come and heal. Jesus had something else in mind, but it was for a purpose, that God would get the glory. That God would get the glory. Even in this time of waiting, God is in control. Even in our time of waiting, God is in control. I want to just encourage us. God did not, this, this virus that's keeping us from meeting right now in this moment did not catch God off guard. It did not surprise him. Uh, he is in control. 
God did not start freaking out when he, when he saw the coronavirus on the news. No, it didn't happen. God is in control. And because God is in control, we can put our trust in him. We can put our trust in him. This whole situation, even in the waiting that we find ourselves in right now, God is in control and we can put our trust in him. You know, I, I fully believe that during this time, as God's people have the faith of Martha to say, you know, even though I don't understand what's going on, even though I expected this, you could have done something, but even now, I trust you. I trust you. If, if the people of God can have this, this kind of tone and, and this attitude of trusting God, even in the midst of the chaos and the waiting that we find ourselves in, I really do believe that God is going to move. I think God is up to something. I think right now, all around our country, all around the world, people are hearing the gospel and seeing believers of Christ uh, just act as though they believe what they say they believe. Act as though, even in this time of chaos and, and waiting, that, that, that we trust God. I think that act of trust and that act of, of just being faithful, even in the waiting, uh, there are going to be so many people that come to Christ just through this. And that's my prayer for you. My prayer for you over this next week is that even in this chaotic time of forced waiting, I know chaos and waiting kind of seem like they're two different ends, but I think, I think we all know that's where we're at. We're kind of on both of these. We have the chaos and we have the waiting. My prayer for you is that even during this time of chaos and waiting, that you would, would know and understand and just, just claim that God is in control. And even during this time of chaos and waiting, that you would know that God is, has the authority over all of this stuff and we can put our trust in him. And my prayer for you this week is that as you know that he is in control and as you put your trust in him, that God would use you in mighty ways to reach people for him that may have never even heard the gospel before. My prayer is that they would see the gospel through you in this time of chaos and waiting. I think as we do that, God is going to just use this, this unusual time in our lives in such a powerful way. Yeah, I encourage you as you, as you move on today uh, to download those questions right below this video. Talk about them with your families, engage in them online on Facebook or, or however you want to text people or call people. Just, just engage people around the Word of God today. Engage people around this whole idea of waiting and, and the fact that God is in control and that, that we can put our trust in him. Would you continue to connect around the word of God this week? Thank you for joining us this morning. Look forward to next week as well. Thank you.